Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Shine with Bikers Against Child Abuse. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, usually I kind of do a little intro, but I just kind of want to let you tell us what you're all about. Perfect. I'd love to do that. Um, First of all, BACA is an acronym that stands for Bikers Against Child Abuse. And BACA, it was established in 1995 in Utah by a clinical therapist who would work with children uh, that had been abused, and he would make a lot of headway until a point where the perpetrator would come back into the picture in some form or another, and everything that uh, he had accomplished was down the drain. So growing up in a biker family, he decided that he would get some of his biker friends together, and they would ride out to this child's house to show the child that there's protection where, where the, what's needed. That worked incredibly well, and that was really the first legs in the beginning of BACA as it stands today. Uh, Fast forward to today, and we went from one person to 48 states and 17 countries around the world, uh, and we're currently getting ready to intro ourselves into South America. Oh, that is wonderful. And you're going to do a ride there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a long ride. Yeah. You're going to ride all the way there. (laughs) All the way there. (laughs) Well, can you tell me, first of all, you've been with them for six years. Is that right? That's correct. Personally, I've been with BACA, the Lake Washington chapter, for six years. And what brought you to it? Well, I was raised in an Italian Catholic family where family was everything. Um, Children were behaved. (laughs) We didn't speak out of turn, Um, but we were loved and cherished, and we were well taken care of. And I never really saw child abuse as a young person. Uh, In my professional career, though, I traveled uh, to Asia a bit, and I would go into some of the villages and some of the factories, and I would see a lot of physical abuse, mental abuse, uh, and it was horrific, and it was something that was in the back of my mind for many years. Um, I could never get involved in BACA, though, because there is a certain time commitment that you have to make to do it. And as a working professional, I just couldn't commit that much time. So once I retired, I decided that I had the time and I would get involved in BACA. So the first step was to contact my local chapter, which is the Lake Washington chapter. And I spoke with the president at the time and probably had an hour-long conversation with him. And he was extremely passionate about BACA, and he had started the Lake Washington chapter. Uh, And he just convinced me in that conversation that this was something that was meant for me to be involved in. So I went to the first meeting. At the first meeting, it's just basically look and listen uh, to know whether or not this is something that you really want to commit yourself to. And, of course, after that first meeting, I knew it was for me. You were hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> so you go back for a second meeting. At the second meeting, uh, you're allowed to pick your road name. Everybody in Baca goes by a road name, and that's to protect our identity. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't like Baca, especially the perps that have been convicted. I'm sure. Their family and friends. Mm-hmm. So we really, when we wear the patch, it's somewhat of a target, mm-hmm. and we have to be very careful about you know, where we go and what we do. So for that reason, we have road names. Uh, you pick your road name at that second meeting, and it's kind of funny because the chapter will say, by the end of the meeting, you can pick your road name. If you can't think of one, 
we'll pick one for you. <laughs> That's a little scary. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't want us to pick your road name. That's not a good thing. Um, and then you come back for the third meeting. You have to come to three consecutive meetings in order to uh, become part of BACA. At that third meeting, then you go into for a federal uh, background check. You have to obviously pass that background check. And even at that point, from the time you get the background check completed and comes back, you still cannot be around any BACA children for another 60 days. Oh, uh, And that's to assure us uh, that you really are committed to BACA. And it gives us a couple of more months to feel out who you are and are you somebody that we, we want to have in our chapter. Uh, but during that same period, then you go through a very intensive training program. And that training program can last anywhere from 12 to 15 months. Um, you are assigned what we call a sponsor, and that is a patched member who guides you through that training process. There are four different levels of training that you go through, and that sponsor is with you the entire way. Still does not get you a backpatch once you get through that 12 to 15 months. Wow. Uh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. It's very rigid. And, and we stretch it out for this long period of time because commitment is the biggest word in BACA. And if you don't show commitment going through this trial period, so to speak, then you're not going to be able to show the commitment once you get the backpatch. So the last step is you have to go in front of the executive board. Each chapter has a five-member vo- board a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, and security officer. Um, You'll go in front of that board, and you're basically drilled on everything that you have learned over the last 12 to 15 months. If that board does not vote unanimously to accept you, to patch you, then you have to leave, come back in another 90 days, and try again. Wow, so you can't even come to the meetings. You just No, you can still come to the meetings oh, okay. and do everything, but you can't wear the back patch until right. you get a unanimous decision from the executive board. I love it that it's so intense. That makes me feel good as a parent that, you know, to know you're totally vetted. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we have some some members that have worked for Department of Youth and Family Services and different agencies in mm-hmm. the state and they always kind of chuckle because they say that the BACA training process is a hundred times more intense than what they did for the state. (laughs) That's crazy. So uh, two questions come to mind. One is, how did you come up with shine for your name? (laughs) Funny story. Um, I have a a beautiful Harley Davidson that I've customized that I have way too much money into. (laughs) And it has a lot of chrome on it. Mm. And the chrome shines all the time. I'm, I'm very anal about all of it. You know, it's always spotlessly clean and very (laughs) shiny. So when I picked my road name, the president asked me what it was. And, and I said that it was going to be shine. And he asked me why shine. And I said, the only thing that's shinier than my boots is my motorcycle. (laughs) So it has stuck with me and through my six years. I love that. Okay. The second question is, did you ride your bike here? I did not today because of the weather. <laughs> I wondered about that. So tell us what some of the things that you do for these kids. Well, the first thing that happens is uh, there's a hotline that they can call. Can I give them the number? Absolutely. The telephone number for our helpline is 
3733. I will also post that in the show notes. So you can just look underneath this podcast and find that number. Thank you. And that number will put you in direct contact with our child liaison. The child liaison from that point vets the case to make sure it's a BACA case, and almost all of them are. Um, once, once it's been vetted as a BACA case, then uh, we go out and we do what's referred to as an initial visit. The initial visit is where the child liaison and one person from the executive board goes out and visits the child. We show them the little seven-minute video that can be found on BACAworld.org. And we talk about what BACA will do for them. But ultimately, it's always the child's decision. Everything in BACA always is the child's decision. Mm. If the child and the guardian of the child uh, feel that BACA is a fit, then we will measure them for a vest. We will have them pick their own little road name. And we leave that meeting and we go back and uh, we, we have little jean vest, kids vest. We put their road name on it, and we have special little back patches just for them. Um, and then we go back a couple of weeks after that initial visit uh, for what we refer to as a level one. A level one is where the entire chapter rides to that child's house or a safe location that the family picks. And we present the child with their vest, a teddy bear that we all pass around and fill with hugs and love before we give it to the child. I can so, see all these bikers with this teddy bear. It's yeah, so all these cute. rough, tough, supposedly <laughs> hardcore bikers hugging teddy bears, and you'll see some tears coming down the cheeks at the same time. Mm. Um, we give them a blanket, and then at that point, they meet their what we call primaries. Every child is assigned two primaries. A primary is a patched member um, who will be with that child for as long as that child is in Baca. We have a two, four, six, eight, ten week program in the beginning where every couple of weeks the two primaries go and visit the child. Mm. We'll usually go to their house. Uh, for my kids, I like to get them out of the house, take them out to dinner. Uh, a lot of times there's things they need that the family can't afford, mm. um, school supplies, a pair of shoes. So we have funds to do that if necessary as well. Um, another thing that we do is we have something called a level two. A level two is where if the perp is trying to intimidate the child, usually around court time, that happens a lot, where they'll drive by the house or they'll phone the house or show up at the house, um, then we call a level two. And what a level two is, is we will go out to where the child is staying. We will form a a guard line around that house, and we will stand there 24-7 until the fear from that child is gone. Oh, wow. Uh, and unfortunately, that doesn't happen very often, but I've been on a few here myself, mm. and, and it makes a huge difference because the child can actually go to bed and sleep knowing that we're out there guarding the house and nobody's going to get to them. gives me goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We've had one child that thought, you know, the perp was going to come down through the roof of the house and get her. And mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a tremendous amount of fear, and we try to do our very, very best to eliminate that fear by our presence. Um, one more thing that I want to tell you about is when we go to court, yeah. um, which is really an amazing thing. Uh, in many cases, when the child, well, first imagine this, uh, a little eight-year-old girl has to go into a courtroom, which is intimidating for an adult, let alone a child. They have to go in there, and in very minute detail, they have to tell their story about everything that took place to them. 
happened to them. And their family, who in most cases are witnesses as well, cannot be in the courtroom during the child's testimony. So the child doesn't know anybody in this courtroom. There's a jury. There's a judge. There's all these eyes peering at them. Um, And we are allowed to go into the courtroom with them. And we will tell the child, don't look at the perp. Don't look at anything. Just look at straight ahead at us. We will give you the support you need to get through this. Oh, that is so great. And they're able to tell their story because of our presence. That is so great. And then what's your next favorite part? Uh, the next favorite part <laughs> is going to the sentencing hearing, <laughs> where if the perp is found guilty, which in most cases they are, you have to imagine that uh, there's no perp that's ever guilty in the beginning. It's all made up. They didn't do mm-hmm. anything. The child's dreaming this up and blah, blah, blah. Um, when we go to a sentencing hearing, that cocky perpetrator now is being sentenced to 20, 30 years in prison. And really, that's the end of it for the child in most cases. I yeah. mean, they live with that trauma th- their entire life. But at least now they know that the perp is in prison. He can't get to them. And for, for Baca, that's also very rewarding, knowing that we've taken that child from fear to a point where they can go out of the house, feel comfortable, feel safe. Once the perp is in prison, do they still call once in a while to check in? Do they, or are they pretty much like, okay, I'm good? The children? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, we have two annual events. We have a, uh, a Christmas uh, party, holiday party. Oh, really? And we also have a summer picnic. And we put on a, quite a big extravaganza I for bet both you of do. those. <laughs> and all present and past Baca children are invited. And you'd be amazed at how many kids that, once they get to a point where they're no Baca, they don't need Baca any longer, then we classify them as what we call idle. Mm. You're always a Baca kid, but when you're idle, we're not seeing you on a regular basis. However, if something comes up where fear comes back into your life, all you have to do is call us and we're right back in the picture. But at those summer picnic and holiday parties, um, those past Baca kids will come and they have the time of their life. That is so, so... Yeah, we see them for a long time. Oh, that's great. So if a kid is going through this and they've already been, you know, uh, gotten their vest and everything, is it like, what if they wake up in the middle of the night and they're fearful? Can they call? Absolutely. The two primaries will give the child a business card mm-hmm. that has uh, our cell phone number on it. And when we meet them at the level one, where we're there, the introduction to Baca, um, we tell them, anytime you need me, call me. doesn't matter. Day or night, any time of day, here's my son number, call me. And we do get calls in the middle of the night where is um, thinking about what had happened to them and they, they get afraid. So we will jump in, usually talk to them over the telephone. Uh, in some cases, we will actually go out to visit them. They do have ac- access to us 24-7. Now, what if a kid, I know you mostly work with families and the perp, but what if a kid's struggling at school? Um, we will do everything it takes to remove the fear that that child has. And if that means going out to the level two and standing out in the rain in front of their house, we do it. If it means just meeting them every couple of weeks and having dinner with them, talking about what's going on in their life, we do that. If they are afraid to go to school on their own, we have to be a little bit careful because we don't want to feel like we're there to intimidate the other children exactly. in the school. Exactly, yeah. So there's a bit of a fine line mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But we will not let our children 
go in fear at any point in time. Well, and I imagine with your training, you cover that. But for instance, I know like, especially in smaller communities where everybody knows everybody's business, a child's parent or whatever has gone to prison, they may know and kids may have heard their parents talking, so they may say things. Yeah, we've had uh, where kids are bullied or not so much bullied is, like you said, the ki- the kids know it's a small community mm-hmm. that they were abused. It's very delicate, a very yeah. delicate situation. We stay with our children as long as, as, they're, as they need us, and we're always available. And what I mean by that, too, is and I always tell people that are coming into BACA, there's a commitment in BACA. If you get a call on Thanksgiving Day, you're sitting at the table having your dinner with your family, and the call comes in that this child needs you, um, you don't ask why, you just say where and when, and you mm-hmm. get up and go. So that's the kind of commitment that it takes to be involved in BACA. Wow, that and it's so empowering and for a child to feel like they're believed and heard. We have a singular mission in BACA, and that is to empower children not to be afraid of the world in which they live. And because of that singular mission, we're much more able to successfully complete our mission because we are not therapists, we don't, we're not attorneys, we're not sidetracked by all of the stuff that goes on on the perimeter around our child. We only focus on empowering that child. Do you find that the courts and the embrace you? Very much so. Um, we work very closely with KSARC, which is a King County uh, Sexual Assault Resource Center. Lots of our referrals come from them. Uh, so we work very closely with them. We're very well respected by them. We work with uh, the prosecutor's office. We work with CASA. Uh, we work with all the different advocates that advocate for these abused children. And we have very strong relationships with all of them. One of the articles I read, I love so much. I don't know who said this quote, but they said, why this works is because we're bikers. If we were golfers lined up on the driveway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's, I think we talked earlier, there's an image that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people all the time, imagine if some guy pulls up in a little sports car convertible <laughs> and gets out and he's got his sweater tied around his neck with his flip flops on. And he says to this little child, I'm here to protect you. And then the next day, 20 bikers show up, leathered up and looking as tough as they can be. And we're here to protect you. Who are you going to choose? Who are you going to choose? It's pretty obvious. I love it. Tell me about fundraising and how you get support. Um, We do not go out and ask for money uh, throughout the year. However, we do have one fundraiser annually, and it's our 100-mile ride. And what that consists of is we go out and look for sponsors to donate funds to us. Our road captain picks out a ride that is 100 miles long. And this is done on the third Saturday of May across the nation. So So coming up. It's coming up, yes. Every chapter in the country has their 100-mile ride the very same weekend. Really? And is is the 100 miles there and back to where you start? It's it's a round trip, 100 miles. Um, And we have T-shirts printed and all the sponsors' uh, names are on the back of our T-shirts. Sometimes the sponsors themselves will come on the ride with us. We open it up to the public uh, so it can be a public ride. But that's our one annual fundraiser for BACA. What's, your, what's been your funnest one so far? The funnest ride? Yeah. Gosh, they're all a lot of fun, except if it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last year, we did a, our road captain did a great job. He took us from Jet City, Harley-Davidson, and Renton, kind of down through Auburn and up over the back way into Issaquah. Mm. Uh, and we ended up at Pete's Tavern in Carnation where we had, they have an outdoor area there. 
we had a uh, live music and uh, we had a raffle of different prizes that we gave away to people. Uh, that was a that was a fun ride. Oh, how fun! Now, do you guys do other things like do you do the oyster run to Anacortes or we? Yeah, we go on those runs. Um, we ride with the motorcycle community, yeah, so are, they learn about you when yes, you're there. Yeah. yeah, we do a lot of awareness events. In fact, in my chapter, one of our our goals uh, for 2020 is to do more awareness events. And what that means is we just uh, purchased a logoed uh, tent, so to speak, where we can put this up at places like the Oyster Run and different events, different Harley-Davidson dealers, other bike dealers to bring awareness to Baca for hopefully people that would want to join. Do you do a lot with foster kids? We do. In fact, we do the foster picnics. Oh, you do? Yeah, we do. And one of the best ones that I've been on, it was a couple years ago now, they had it at Lower Woodland Park. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was a very large gathering of families and kids, and they asked us to come and, you know, be there at the picnic. So what we did is we waited until the picnic was an hour or so into it. And then we brought the motorcycles through the trees oh. to where the opening was where the kids were. So they couldn't see us, but they could hear us. I love that. And they absolutely went bananas when they saw us. And we let them sit on the bikes and rev the throttles and do different things. But yeah, we work closely with uh, the foster uh, care families. That's so great because I'm actually a foster grandma. My daughter's adopted uh, three foster children. And what these kids go through and, and what we don't even know what they've gone through. Yeah. You know? Foster parents are heroes. They you are. Know? They're unsung heroes. They are. We do presentations to their different groups around and we always tell them that they are unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. And what they do for those children to give them a safe and secure place to to bed down. Yeah. Uh, They tell us stories about, you know, midnight, the kid shows up with a plastic bag in his hand. To think your whole life is thrown into a black plastic bag. Exactly. So we have a lot of respect for them and we work closely with them as well. What would you say overall after your six years, what are some highlights? Like you said, going to court the second time. You know, just about every single case warms your heart. It's so nice to get involved with with a child that's been abused. And like I've said many times before, when it first starts out, they're living in fear where they can't even go out of the house. Yeah. Uh, After BACA gets involved and other agencies, not just Mm -hmm. BACA, um, KSARC as an example, their advocates are amazing. Once those agencies and BACA get involved with these kids, to see them go from being so afraid they won't want to come out of their bedroom to being able to go outside and play with their friends. That's I get more out of Baca than I could ever put into it just by seeing those faces mm. become smiles instead of fear. It's such a commitment. And I know that, you know, even with foster parents, it's such a commitment. And I don't think people really realize that. And so I love it that you vet people and that, you know, you make sure they know if they're at Thanksgiving dinner. You know, because same with foster parents. You're at Thanksgiving dinner and a kid comes. You answer the door. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And with us, we get up and go wherever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked me about rewards. I think probably one thing that stands out in my mind is one of my, my kids said to me after it was all said and done, she said, you're the father that I never had. Oh, my gosh. And that'll bring tears to you very quickly. The gratitude from the children and the self-gratitude that we get from seeing the perp put away, um, that's, yeah. that's what I get out of Baca. I work with homeless women, and the one thing that is so important, we do this big event for them, and we have men dressed in tuxedos, and of course they're vetted, because we want them to know there's good men. And I think that the kids, whether they're boys or girls, they need to know 
that there are really good men. I think a lot of times people, when they think of bikers, they think only of men. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Baca, we have lots of females. That's great. They are just as important, or in some cases, more important than our male members. And the reason I say that is most of our kids that have been abused are young females. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine after being abused by a male, and then all of a sudden these two guys show up and they say, you know, trust us. Right. The perp said, trust me too. Right. That didn't happen. So Such a good point. What we will try to do is to, for the primaries, is to have one male and one female Mm -hmm. so that that little girl can relate to another female. And that works really, really, really well. Yeah. And the the females in in the Lake Washington chapter and all of the Baca chapters are just as committed as anybody else, work just as hard, and the expectations are exactly the same. doesn't matter if you're male or female. So I'm listening and I have a Harley and I'm thinking about doing this. What do I do? Who do I call? Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) Call Ghostbusters. Um, The best thing to do if you want to be involved in Baca or want to just know more about Baca is go to our website, which is bacaworld.org, and you'll see up on the top, it'll say chapters. Click on that uh, and find the chapter that is, you can pick the state then after that, and find the chapter that's closest to you and go to one of their meetings. Uh, Our meetings are open to the public. You can go to that meeting like we talked about earlier. You can find out usually within that first meeting if you have any interest in going any further. Uh, but all of the times and locations will be on the website for that person so they can get to the meeting. Well, thank you, Shine, for coming in. Thank you for what you do. And I know you don't do it for the thanks, but no. I say thank you because I just feel like giving kids a voice is the most important thing. And being heard and listened to and believed is that's invaluable. So well, you just said it all. And, and thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. <laughs> I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. I know I have. <laughs> Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.